You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. A blessed evening to everyone. Please open your Bibles with me in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. I'll read from the Nasbi 1995 edition. The Word of the Lord says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. May the good Lord bless the reading of His Word. Last Sunday, I was with the Capital City Alliance Church at Metro Manila during their anniversary. And after the service, I was conversing with some of their leaders when suddenly there was a person who arrived and interrupted us. And the person said, let's pray for one of our members. And the pastor of the church inquired what happened. He said they just arrived from their three-week vacation at the United States of America. And when they arrived home, they noticed that in their garage, there were supposed to be having three cars, but there were only two. And when they entered their house, everything was not in its proper place. And so they started thinking that some robbers or thieves went inside their house. And true enough, they look at their safe. The, the culprits were not able to get anything because it was too heavy and it was properly locked. But they managed to locate the keys of the cars. Good for them, the owners, they had three cars, two new cars, and one old. These two new cars, probably for some divine intervention, turned out to have a low battery. And only the old car functioned. And the culprits got the old car. However, it was a luxury car. And the guard of the village, I mean, not of the village, but of subdivision, told them that we, we just saw your car a few minutes ago. So they realized that a few minutes before they arrived home, the culprits just left, bringing their car. Well, maybe they noticed that there were no individuals in that house for three weeks. That's why they really had the audacity to go and get inside and steal the car. You know, whenever we have something valuable, it might, it might tickle the eyes of other people around that they might be, might be tempted to get it from us, especially if there is no one watching over that particular object. It may not necessarily be a car. It could be a cell phone. You try to leave your phone or you, you forget your phone somewhere and it happens to be part of the newer kinds of phones in our time. You have to expect that you will never find it again. Rarely that you would see a very valuable object taken and will be returned to you. Usually, once it's taken, it is nowhere to be found anymore. 
especially when that object is valuable. There is something valuable among believers that when the devil looks at us, he wants to rob that particular matter from us. What is that matter that I'm pertaining to? It is actually what is described by the Apostle Paul in this part of the book of Philippians. What I'm pertaining to here is the joy of being a believer. The joy that you and I are experiencing is something that the devil could not have. Why? Before we proceed further, biblically, joy and happiness are defined in so different way. Happiness is something that we feel that is caused by possession, relationships that we have with other people, experience. So happiness is often dictated by the kind of experience that we have. It is often dictated by the material blessings that we receive. But joy is not dictated or is not caused by material things. By experiences that we go through in life, joy is only experienced as far as the biblical perspective is concerned through the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. No wonder when you look at Galatians chapter 5, you would see there Paul saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of these things he mentioned as fruit of the Holy Spirit. Meaning to say, when a person does not have the Holy Spirit, there is no such a thing as joy deep within his soul. What the person would only experience is happiness. While it is a fact that joy is not dictated by material things, joy is not dictated by our experiences, but if we won't be careful enough, these material things, our experiences, can be used by Satan to rob us of the joy that we are experiencing in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This was the experience of the early church in Philippi. If you look at the background story of this letter, you would see that Paul was behind bars. He was put to prison by the authorities during those days because it was mandated that Christians shall stop preaching about Jesus Christ. It was a mandate common and known to many, and yet Paul, as a minister of the gospel, never allowed himself to give in such, to such kind of a law. Instead, he continued proclaiming the gospel of Christ, and for that reason, he was imprisoned. What happened next is this. When the believers noticed this happening, this incident, they started feeling bad about it. They started feeling sad about the situation. Added to that, one of their workers in the name and the person of Epaphroditus, this guy experienced some ailments, physical ailments, and that added more sadness in the life of the believers. Added to this situation was the presence of many heretics inside the church. And the believers were having commotions already. Some of them started having some doubts about their faith and the newfound belief. And then added to that situation, there was a quarrel, a relational issue among the leaders. 
And that was the immediate context of Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Let's try to look at verses 1 to 3 of this um, chapter. Philippians 4, 1 to 3. This is what it says here. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way I stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. And I urge Eudia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement, also the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. The immediate context of what we have read in verses 4 to 7 would tell us that there were two women who were fighting against each other in the person of Judea and Syntyche. And these two women in their conflict, most probably if we mirror what is seen in the text, the probability is that they were behaving so badly inside the congregation that their conflict started affecting the people. And when they gather now in the church, there was no more joy present in their midst. There was a conflict between these two women. These women were no ordinary members of the church. They were leaders of the church. As Paul described them here, he said, what did he say in verse 3? He said, um, I ask you to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Meaning to say, they were fellow ministers of the Apostle Paul in sharing the gospel of Christ. And with what was happening between the two of them, it started affecting the church with this conflict that they were having. And whenever they gathered, it was manifested in the midst of the believers and they started losing their joy in their midst. In our church today, as big as this, if there are two individuals who are having conflict between each other, there's still a possibility that it would not be known to many because of the number of the congregation. But churches in those days were few individuals only gathering. In fact, there were plenty of house churches. So when Paul talked about the church in Philippi, probably these were just made of maybe around 10 to 15 or 20 people. And if there are 20 people only in the congregation and there is a conflict between two leaders, it will be known by everyone. And so these members of the church started feeling bad about it and they started losing the joy of their salvation. The spirit was still there. But the Spirit cannot produce anymore the fruit that is called joy because they were so much affected by the quarrel of these two. The joy is gone. That is why if you look at verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Take note that the word rejoice was mentioned two times. In this very brief verse, the word rejoice was mentioned two times. For what reason? For emphasis sake. Because Paul was so alarmed when he received the reports about the believers in Philippi, they just gathered 
in a very mechanical form, the relationship was broken and the joy was absent already. There was no joy in serving the Lord. What is it going to be next for the, in, in that case? And Paul had to address, address this issue because if he would leave this kind of issue as is, it would grow further and it will devastate the entire church. And so he tried to address this issue by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He was emphasizing this word, rejoice. And take note that if you look at the term rejoice, it is stated in a command form. It is a present, active, imperative statement, meaning it's a command. Why was he commanding for the believers to rejoice? Because joy was gone already. If it was a state of being, it could have been present, active, imperative. I mean indicative, but it's imperative. It's gone. There was no joy as they served the Lord. As they worshipped the Lord, joy was no longer present. And Paul was so alarmed about this because in the spiritual realm, he understood that it was the devil who robbed them of the joy that they must experience because of the presence of the Spirit of God. Ninakaw ni Taning yung kasiyahan nila sa kanilang puso as they gathered together. And what happened next was that if you look at these commands, rejoice, rejoice, it gives us an idea that rejoicing after all on the basis of the presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is a choice that we need to make. There are scenarios that we may encounter in life that will be used by the enemy to rob us from experiencing the joy that we should naturally experience because the Spirit lives in us, but Satan would use these matters to rob us from going through this kind of experience. So it's going to be devastating if a church is just gathering without a joy in their hearts. That's why he told them, Rejoice in any situation. Rejoice. Why? Because rejoicing is not dictated by our circumstances. Rejoicing is not dictated by our conundrum. Rejoicing is not dictated by our failures, by our pains, by our situation. It is dictated by the presence of the Spirit of God. That's why He commanded them, Rejoice. The Spirit lives in you. Rejoice. In the midst of the conflict, rejoice. you got to make that decision. And Paul stated further, now that you made a decision to rejoice in the presence of this conflict, I want you to keep that joy in your heart. And you got to be very careful about this matter because Satan will come again and steal and rob this joy again from you. So how are you going to keep this joy in your heart, in your life, if there are conflicts that would happen? He gave them further advice in a, for them to be able to keep the joy. There, there are different commandments that Paul said here. How do you keep the joy if there is a conflict happening? He advised them with these words. Verse, verse 3 would give us this, uh, verse 5 would give us this idea. Verse 5 says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. We're answering now the question. If it is a decision for us to make, to rejoice over anything that we go through, 
What if there is a conflict that would happen, a relational issue that we ourselves are involved on that matter? Can we still keep the joy that we found in the Spirit of God? The answer to that question is yes, we can. But how it's going to happen? It happens this way. Sabi ni Paul. First, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. If you mirror the situation of Judea and Syntyche in relation to the statement in verse 5, it poses a possibility that when they quarreled against each other, they hurled words that destroyed each other. They tried to destroy each other's testimony. They tried to put each other down. And maybe it went even into a physical kind of fight. So what the people saw between these two leaders, Yudia and Syntyche, these two women fought not only probably with raised by raising their voices, but probably even choosing sharp and destructive words toward each other. Because what Paul said in verse 5 is that you let your gentle spirit be known. And the immediate context would tell us that there was a conflict. Probably in this conflict, they were acting that way. And they were leaders of the church. So the believers started seeing all this scenario. And that is why Paul said, if you are in a conflict and you still want to keep the joy that God gave you, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Meaning when we are in a conflict, when there is a tension, a believer shall still remain composed deep within his very heart, her very heart. Why? Because if we give in to the surge of our emotions, the possibility is that we would retaliate with what is said about us. We would respond to get even with a person who dealt harshly with us. That's the natural tendency. So Paul said, if you want to keep the joy, you let your gentle spirit be known to all men. And he added one reason, the Lord is near. This statement, the Lord is near, can have two interpretations. First is that it could mean the imminence of Jesus Christ's second coming. If that is the case, Paul is saying, you better behave properly, displaying your gentle spirit because Jesus is going to come soon. And he will make you accountable for every action that you have. He's coming so soon. Or, or, the Lord is near can mean the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit at that very moment. And if we are aware of this truth that the Spirit of God is present, residing in our lives, the Spirit of God knows every thoughts that we have, every word that we say, every action that we display. The Spirit of God knows about all these things. And Paul is telling them, the Lord is near. You better be, behave properly. He's there in your life. He's there in front of you. He's there by your side. He's at your back. He's everywhere. And He sees all things that you do. And He hears all things that you say. So let's be very careful. Let's display to all men our gentle spirit. And Paul advised further. Because if we take this advice, we are in a conflict. There is a tension happening. 
And a person maligned us or tried to destroy us and give us some words that are really painful, what's going to happen to us if we will just be silent or if we will display our gentleness? What's going to happen with my heart? Pastor, baka atakihin ako sa puso nun. Anong gagawin ko? There is a following statement that he said here. Look at verse 6. He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Take note. There are two commands in verse 6. The first command is, Be anxious for nothing. The second command is, Let your requests be made known to God. Two commandments in one verse. Now, this is how we should deal with these two commands. While there are two imperatives in verse 6, it is important for us to note that they are connected with a contrasted conjunction, but that would give us an idea that they are to be understood not separately. They are to be understood as a unit. Be anxious for nothing, but present your request or made your request known to God. Do not be anxious. Instead, present your request, your concern, what you're feeling, what you're going through to God. And I want us to take note the play of words that Paul used in these verses. In verse 5, he said, Let your gentle spirit be known to men. In verse 6, he said, Let your request be made known to God. You see the similar lines that were stated there. Verse 5, Let your gentle spirit be known to men. Verse, verse 6, Let your request be made known to God. Now here is the thing. Oftentimes, we reverse the two. When we face the presence of God, seemingly there is so much gentleness in our approach. But when we are in front of a person who offended us, sometimes we look like a monster as well. We reverse the two. Take note of, what, of the advice of Paul. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Let your request be made known to God. Thereby, if there is someone who hurt us, someone who tried to destroy our reputation, someone intending to destroy us, our response to that person shall be, let your gentle spirit be made known or be known to all men. We shall respond properly. We shall respond with a heart that is still composed. And yet after that, we go to God and we pour out everything to Him. So it's going to be like this. If someone insulted you, do not respond harshly. Because Paul said, let your gentle spirit be known to man. So what are we going to say? We would say, bro or sis, kalma lang. And you tell yourself also, kalma lang. Kalma lang. And then you live to give yourself breathing moments. 
And then you go to God and there, Lord, I really hate that person. I want to be honest with you. Gusto ko siyang sakalin, Lord. Gusto ko siyang tirisin. Nainis ako, inis, nainis ako sa kanya. You pour what you feel to the Lord. Why? In the book of Psalms, you can see the psalmist doing so. Pouring his heart out to the Lord. Bakit? Kasi minsan, when we approach the Lord, oftentimes, not minsan, but oftentimes, we, we become so, so respectful and kind, and which is only right. That, that's correct. However, sometimes being right in the presence of God, our behavior is fake. And we say words that are really wonderful before Him, honoring Him. But deep inside our hearts and minds, there is a hate for another person. So what happens is that there is going to be a conflicting scenario with what we feel and what we say. And reality is that if we honor an infinite, all-knowing God, meaning to say there is nothing that you and I can hide from Him. So if we stand before His presence and we utter words that are so wonderful, but in our minds we want to kill that person who hurt us, there is a dualism there, a heart that is desiring to destroy others and a lips that is trying to honor God. Eh, alam ni Lord kung ano yung nasa isip natin. Kaya nga sabi ng Sprite, magpakatotoo ka na lang. If you come into the presence of the Lord and you hate a person, pour everything to Him. Tell your complaint about that person to God. Lord, that guy is really filled with words in his mouth that are destroying my day. I don't like that person. I hate seeing him. Please help my heart. Please help me love him. Because in reality, alam mo naman anong, anong nasa isip ko eh. Kung pwede lang siyang hipan, tapos mawala siya agad, gagawin ko yun. Sana Lord, lunokin siya ng lupa. Pero Lord, sorry ha. Ang, yun ang nararamdaman ko eh. We pour out our hearts to the Lord. That's what Paul is saying, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Why? Because when they, people attack us, we say to ourselves, kalma lang, kalma lang. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We give our gentleness to the person and we face God and present to Him our complaints. Because after all, I, can, I observe that there are lawyers here. In the courtroom, there is an accused and the one who filed the case. And when they present their appeal, they don't present their appeals to each other. They present their appeals and defense to the judge. Because it's only the judge who has the right to give the verdict. In our case, if there, are, there is a conflict that we are involved are we going to present our appeal to the person when in fact the person doesn't have the right to judge? It's God who has that authority. So when we face the person who has maligned us, destroyed our reputation, who, had, who uttered words that tried to demean us, show your gentle spirit. Let your gentle spirit be known to that man. And when you face God, pour your heart out to him. That's the right thing to do. But sometimes, we switch it, right? When someone insults us, ang pangit ng ugali mo. 
Alam mo ba ang bunganga mo parang ganito, ganito. Ayaw ko sa'yo. Lord, thank you for the day, Lord. Baliktad yata. It's not pouring your heart to the person. It must be before God. Because at the end of the day, it's God who's gonna orchestrate things for you to be well with that person. In a very practical manner, when we try to destroy someone else because that person hurt us, yung bang nakapagsabi ka ng masasakit na salita, yung bang nakasampal ka ng wala sa oras, but time came, you were reconciled. Okay na siya. Okay ka na rin. But the time came that you saw each other again. Nakita mo siya. Oftentimes, what is in your mind? Ang mangyayari, you will recall the words that you uttered before the person. You will recall the shouts that you did before him or her. You will recall the physical pain that you inflicted with that person. And because you were reconciled already, what would you feel about yourself? Nakakaya. Nakakahiya talaga yung ginawa ko. Ba't ko ginawa yun? Right? What happens after all, if we, if we aim to hurt another person, we are actually not destroying the person, but we are destroying ourselves. And in many situations, I brought two individuals meddled with their conflict, in their conflict. And one remains silent, listening, very objective. The other kept on shouting. The witness, oftentimes, after the litigation, would tell me, ang pangit ng ugali nung isa, pastor, no? Sino dun? Eh, siyempre yung sumisigaw. Ba't siya sumisigaw? He's trying to, he's giving in, or she's giving in to her emotions, and trying to not only defend himself or herself, but is trying to destroy the testimony and the reputation of the other person. But at the end of the day, sino yung napasama? Siya. You see, if there is a conflict taking place, sabi ni Paul, even in the midst of conflict, you can remain joyful. How could that happen? You show or let your gentleness be known to all men. Compose yourself, respond properly, and then pour your heart out to God. Let your request, your petition be made known to God. Kasi siya ang may right over everything. And in that case, if the Lord through His orchestration, you will be mended. Your relationship is mended. And you say sorry to each other and reconciliation happened. And wala kang guilt ngayon sa heart mo. Bakit? Hindi ka naman nagsalita ng masama. Wala kang guilt sa heart mo. Bakit? Hindi ka nanira. Hindi ka nanampal. Hindi ka nanuntok. Hindi ka nanadyak. So there is no guilt in your heart anymore because you forgave the person and the person forgave you already. And you are clear. Your conscience is clear. And you are at peace. And joy will remain in your heart. How can you be joyful kung inuusig ka ng konsensya mo? Di ba hindi? That is why Paul advised the believers in the midst of the conflict of Judea and Syntyche, he told them, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. You have to choose and make a decision to rejoice in the midst of all these matters. But I want you to keep that joy even in the midst of conflict. How are you going to do that? Let your gentle spirit be known to man. 
even if there is a conflict. And let your petition, your request be made known to God. Because after all, at the end of the day, it's God who has the authority to judge. It's God who has the power and the capacity to orchestrate things. So if you read this section of the letter of Paul, his intention is for all of us to regain and redeem joy in our hearts. And when we have that joy already, regardless of our situation, it may be sickness, it may be broken relationship, it may be failure in anything in life, you can remain joyful so long that the Spirit of God lives in you. So with this in our hearts and minds, it is my prayer that we will not only make the decision to rejoice in the Lord always, but it is my prayer that we will choose joy over anything because this is the desire of God for all of us. Have a joyful evening, everyone. You just heard the message from Zumbuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekayak Ministries. See you there!